Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. On November 7th, 2017, voters here in Fort Collins, Colorado, passed Measure 2B, which allowed the city to move forward with creating a publicly owned Internet utility. Despite nearly unprecedented spending by lobbying groups fronted by telecom companies, the measure passed with 57 percent of the vote. As this is being recorded in August 2019, we are days away from the first customers being served by the utility now called Fort Collins Connection. Today, I'm here with Colin Garfield and Glenn Akins of Fort Collins Citizen Broadband Committee, which spearheaded the effort to bring municipal internet to Fort Collins. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. How did the the campaign to, to get municipal internet in Fort Collins get started? Yeah, it's been a long road. Um, so I'd say around 2000, 2014, um, the city kind of... Uh, spoke with CSU to potentially do a gig U opportunity and kind of have some sort of relationship with them to kind of get that going. Um, and ultimately that didn't really go anywhere. Um, and then using the uh, budget for outcomes system that the city of Fort Collins employs, they decided that they wanted to make broadband a priority. And so they started developing a business plan in 2015. And during that same year, the Senate bill 152, which outlaws municipalities from actually having a telecom utility was also passed at 84%, I believe. So it kind of all happened in rapid fire, um, which gave immediate control to staff to start developing a business plan. And then Glenn and I kind of came on in 2016, I believe. Very early 2016. Mm -hmm. So we were uh, initially on the uh, Fort Collins commission that it was hosted by the city of Fort Collins, not our own. And uh, the rest is kind of history at that point. And, and why did the two of you specifically like want to get involved with this? Um, I remember probably around 2012, 2013, I needed to upload some 30 second commercials uh, to Comcast Spotlight because this nonprofit I was doing work for was buying television ads. And these little 30 second uh, commercials were encoded at 50 megabits per second. So I needed to upload 1500 uh, megabits. And at, at my two megabit per second uh, broadband connection I had from Comcast, it took seven and a half minutes to upload each one of these little 30 second commercials. And there are like six of them. And I thought this is completely ridiculous that it's taking over an hour, almost an hour and a half to upload these short little 30 second commercials um, to a Comcast entity. There's got to be a better way. Uh, right, you think they would have a better direct connection to themselves. Exactly. Hey, yeah. you're using our services, so we'll go ahead and raise your data rate just for uploading these or something, but they didn't. Um, and simultaneously with that, or in the near, in the near, around the same time, uh, Google Fiber announced that they were going to be doing gigabit uh, service, and it was going to be, you know, everyone came out and said, oh, man, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be expensive. And it ended up only being $70 a month. And I'm like, well, that that's less than I'm paying now with Comcast. It's, it's what, 500 times faster in the upstream. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, it's uh, quite a bit faster in the downstream too. Uh, this is awesome. I think, I think Fort Collins needs this. So um, I started getting involved, emailing people and, and figuring out what to do uh, and kind of uh, mushroomed from there, <laughs> spiraled out of control, maybe. Colin, what made, what made you want to get involved with it? Uh, it was a complete mistake, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, a, a good mistake. mistake. <laughs> I, should, I should clarify that. Um, a few staff members in 2016, I believe they, maybe it was late 15, actually, they sent out a few email blasts saying, hey, you know, if you're interested in joining this committee, we're forming it. And it's more of an exploratory, no membership, no application. Like, hey, come show up. And 
I was thinking at the time because I was a cartographer and I had some tech background. So I figured, what the hell? I'll try it. check it out, see what it's about. At that point, I didn't really didn't have a strong understanding of net neutrality and, and the industry itself. And I figured it'd be a good opportunity to get involved with something. And then, yeah, like Glenn said, it kind of just mushroomed. And he and I met by complete coincidence. Uh, we happened to show up at the same meeting the same day. I'd never had interacted with Glenn before that. And so uh, ever since then, we've been kind of like gunslingers walking down high noon. And uh, and now you're joined at the hip. Right? <laughs> yeah. There we are. <laughs> Yeah. So it, again, it was, it was, uh, just a strange coincidence, strange mistake. And, um, it's actually one of the best things I've probably done. It's something that's really interesting to see the community kind of come together over what you would think of as kind of a common cause, right? Um, this is something that we, we knew we needed, but you know, there are lots of things, lots of people who want to change things, but very few are actually able to like, or willing to throw their hat over the wall and, and get involved. Can you guys talk about some of the challenges that you faced in getting this measure on the ballot and getting it passed? <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yeah. It's, I was actually thinking about what happened when the measure made it out of city council onto the ballot, because I think it was a pretty good story. Um, you know, we'd been working on this uh, off and on since 2015. And what was it like July, August 2017? City council is getting ready to redo the second reading of the ballot issue. And once once it once it gets past its second reading, the ballot language is finalized and it's going to the ballot. Uh, none of the city employees are allowed to lobby on it. It's, it's state law and it's common to most states in the, in the union. So Tim Tilson, Pat Burns at CSU, Colin and myself had a meeting with some city employees and, and they basically looked at the four of us and said, um, after this passes tonight, um, it's on you to get this past the voters. And Colin and I walked out of that meeting and uh, we're starting to walk down the steps of the building there. And we turn and look at each other like, what did we just get ourselves into? Yeah. I mean, and to kind of rewind a little bit back in March of 17, before the reading for the ballot measure came out, there was a company, I believe out of Alberta and they're called Axia. The city was really, really close to pulling the trigger with um, an agreement with a company called Axios, which we a private public relationship and at the 11th hour, that agreement fell through. And so that was the first challenge was we had this ISP lined up and we were kind of excited about them. And they were basically going to do all the work, the whole thing. The city would front a part of the bill, but not the entire thing. And so when that fell through, that kind of sent city staff scrambling, that sent council scrambling, that sent residents scrambling to figure out, okay, so what do we do? Really, the only option at this point is we have to do it ourselves. And so that, that recognition that it was on the city in totality was really the first I'd say the first big obstacle. And then, of course, the reading to get that passed. I mean, every we would go to council almost every week because they had so many things going through council related to broadband. And then Glenn and I would like quietly give each other high fives in front of council because <laughs> we had put so much work into it. But it, and then it yeah. was it was challenging working through the the council meetings. Um, I'd never been to a city council meeting before in my life, and I wanted to get up in my little two and a half, three minute uh, allocated time and make some points about Broadcom. And I'm basically sweating as much as a person could possibly sweat. I'm nervous. I can barely speak. I'm stammering all the time. Um, and it's on video too. And it's on video. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably an archive out there at fcgov.com if you want to go uh, take a look. <laughs> Um, we'll link to that in the show notes, <laughs> watch, watch Glenn sweat on, on live television. Uh, and, and so, so there were some personal development challenges there too. So we had to grow as people as we went through this and, and learn what makes our community tick and how do we appeal to the different personalities on the council. Um, and so that was definitely a, a big challenge, uh, 
moving forward with this. You know, and ultimately we were able to convince all the all the council members to uh, to vote in favor of, of getting the ballot language. Or was it was it six of them or seven of them? It was seven of them, right? Uh, I believe it passed six to one. Okay. Um, Summers either Ken the, Summers or Ray Martinez. Actually, no, I think it was just Ken Summers. It was just no. Ken Summers. So it was yeah. six to one. Yeah. Do you remember why why Ken Summers decided that he didn't want to support it? He just didn't feel like it's uh, something we need to get into as a government, um, kind of your typical private versus government argument. He's also generally a pretty conservative politician. I don't want to speak for him, but that was kind of the, the surface understanding of why he voted no. I would imagine he had a whole host of other reasons that he didn't publicly uh, admit to. But um, eventually, to be fair to, to Councilmember Summers, he, uh, once it did pass, you know, he was in. And so he wasn't an obstacle going forward by any means. Yeah, I think in January where they... Uh, decided to move forward after the vote, January 2018. There were three votes that needed to happen, and they were unanimous, seven to seven. Ken Ray, everyone supported it. So, so he did. He did come through, uh, <laughs> and he wholeheartedly supports us now. I believe. Yep. Well, that's and, great. So, so you get it on. You get it to city council to buy in. What's the next step after that? So the next step was to again, like Glenn uh, said earlier, the staff. Excuse me. The city staff confirmed that they are not allowed to by law to um, either oppose or support the measure. And so it's basically us to um, form a, an issue committee, which we did in August of 17. And so at, by that point, I had kind of taken the reins on leadership and kind of keeping all these, these crazy guys together and realized that uh, no one else is going to do it in the city. There was a void and I had to fill the vacuum. And so I kind of took the mantle and made it happen. And then we started, uh, campaigning which we, none of us had ever done no. ever <laughs> we had to hire a campaign manager which i've never done um we had to produce ads which i've never done we had to raise money which we which we've yeah. done but <laughs> yeah not in that not, not this amount of quantity I mean, people don't necessarily think of it that way or think of uh things in terms of like how issues get on the ballot mm-hmm. um but i mean there's a whole lot of legwork that does i mean in a way like you're running for office the only difference is it's an issue that you're supporting and not a person but the process is kind of the same right yeah. in terms of campaign and management and finance and getting the word out. I, I, I remember being invited uh, by you f- to like a, several different kind of town hall events you were organizing to, mm-hmm. you know, to talk about these things and to get people behind the issue. Um, what, what was some of the feedback you heard from people when, as you were going through that process? Uh, honestly, everyone was extraordinarily excited. It's, it's a big deal. And I think people really grab it. This is one of the first issues and I'm a native of Fort Collins. And this is one of the first issues I've seen in the city that, a lot of people who normally do not get involved in local politics, whether that's just straight out voting or just getting involved, going to council, figuring out what's going on. A lot of people came out of the woodworks. I mean, people on Facebook and Reddit. I mean, Reddit, my God, no one ever gets involved <laughs> on Reddit. And they were all about it. Um, and they're still involved. Yeah, and they're still involved. Um, but it's they were excited. They were people understood that, especially younger people, I'd say, and a lot of business owners, that this is a big, big deal. And this is not just a short term decision. This is a long-term decision. Also, net neutrality was in play. And I think um, we had a lot of a, a big benefit because, you know, generally with a college town, we're a very highly educated city, um, generally progressive, I guess, if you had to look at the city from the top down. People just immediately gravitated towards the um, the issue itself and also learning about it. And credit to staff. Also, they would show up to my broadband and beers events and council members would show up. So it also gave them an opportunity to directly ask staff and council members when they normally probably wouldn't be able to. 
I remember one of the earlier Broadband and Beers events, um, Ken Summers showed up, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which was pretty cool. So someone who had initially been opposed to the idea is now like taking really? part in your events. And, he was and still against really it at the time. But he was, <laughs> this was yeah. actually before the, before the vote even. Yeah. But he was at least open to the dialogue. And, yes. and that's to something that, mm-hmm. that even, you know, in national state or even local politics, you don't really seem, you don't really see that sort of access normally mm-hmm. unless it's been something that's like been negotiated ahead of time for, a, you know, a photo opportunity. With handlers. Or, right, exactly. Or <laughs> yeah. some sort of PR play. Yeah. Um, now, one supporter that you guys did not have what I thought was interesting was the Fort Collins Chamber of Commerce. They came out against the the proposition. I find this very interesting because the f- from a consumer standpoint, there's support across the board for municipal broadband. And the Fort Collins Chamber of Commerce, which is supposed to represent the business owners of Fort Collins, was not in favor of it. Can you talk about you know why that was and what kind of opposition you met there? There's uh, an important distinction to make when speaking about how the chamber did not support it. So it was specifically their local legislative affairs board and not the entire chamber of commerce in itself. It's not to say that all 100 businesses within the chamber were against it. It was the seven or nine or 11 member uh, legislative affairs committee that they, that they uh, formed to get involved in elections. Um, But this, yeah, again, I agree. I mean, as a champion for local business and with a product or service that would enhance local businesses, we were pretty shocked that they basically became the mouthpiece for Comcast because Comcast didn't directly fight us. They fought us through the chamber by pumping in money from Denver into Fort Collins. And so they were essentially the mouthpiece. I hate to say that word, but that's just the reality of it. (laughs) That also leads us to kind of a David versus Goliath uh, sort of circumstance because um, according to campaign finance disclosures, uh, between Comcast and CenturyLink as as a group called Priorities First Fort Collins, they spent over $900,000 trying to defeat this ballot measure. And you guys spent how much? 15,000, 15, right? So 57 to one, I believe, or yeah, I think it's the math. Like that. Yeah. That's pretty incredible odds just from an outreach perspective, because I remember seeing ads on Facebook from Priorities First Fort Collins saying, you know, this is bad. You don't want this. Vote it down. And that's got to be kind of a daunting task, right? They had ads during the World Series, multiple ads during each game of the World Series. And, uh, you know, we had 20 yard signs and a few radio spots. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you an idea of the scale of how much more money they had than, than, than we had. Was that discouraging at all? At first, yeah, yeah. it was um, paralyzing at first, honestly. So the first report came out, it was 10000 which we thought, okay, so that's not too bad. Second report, it was 200 and some odd thousand, like 205000 I yeah. think it was. That was about a week, week and a half before the election. That was a two-week report, I think. And that's when we started panicking because the, the we had like 7000 at that point. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of took a pause and I realized that this is an opportunity to use that money against them. So we immediately weaponized the amount of money flooding in from Denver for this through Comcast and CenturyLink. So yeah, and again, we were panicked at first, but then we realized that, hey, we can go to the press, we can go to Colorado and we can go to our national contacts we had established at that point. And, and Denver went, I, I was on seven news and Fox 31 news. And I kind of took, yeah, all you the, were all over the place for a little <laughs> yeah, while. So I took it and I ran it against them. So that was, and it's not something that, um, every community is going to have the opportunity to do, but given that this was the most expensive election in the city of Fort Collins history, you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting offense to use probably for the first time, maybe other than oil and gas money in the past, but 
Yeah, it was terrifying. I think I think it was even a little bit more daunting. The um, last campaign finance report to come out before the the ballot issue, the vote for the ballot issue, um, was that Friday, and we learned that it was no longer two hundred thousand dollars against us. It was now four hundred and fifty thousand dollars against us, um, which was even scarier. Four hundred thousand, four hundred fifty thousand against us, um, um, which which really went into you know making for a weekend that was a little stressful. You know, wondering just what's going to happen on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that too. I mean that. Not only did you guys weaponize it, but I think also the the savvy consumers who realized that this is a very good thing for the community saw through all of that spending. Because I don't know how many times I saw Priorities First ads. I remember thinking to myself, if they're spending this much money, because I know what it costs to advertise on Facebook, especially with that sort of regularity, that they've got to be scared of this. And I think that shows up in the final campaign finance report where we learned they spent $901,000. They obviously had some polling going on behind the scenes. You know, we couldn't afford polling, so we just did our best. I don't think they would have dumped the last $400,000 that showed up in the last campaign finance report if they knew um, that they were winning in the polls. So they obviously knew they were losing in the polls and, and kept putting money in. To give you an idea of how big, you know, this wasn't the most expensive um, campaign in Fort Collins by a little bit. It was by a lot. You know, Colorado is an oil and gas state. Um, Fort Collins um, citizens tried to pass a fracking ban two years ago, or two years before the election, and the oil and gas industry only spent $400,000 fighting it. So that was previously the most expensive ballot issue in the city's history. The telecommunications companies came in, and they more than doubled that in this, this ballot issue campaign. So it wasn't just, you know, they they spent more by 20,000, they spent more by 30,000. They spent more by 4 or 500,000 dollars in the second most expensive campaign. Yeah, and I, I think there's two reasons for that. Well, two main reasons. One is um so in Colorado as of today there's over 140, possibly 150 now cities and counties combined that have now opted out of Senate Bill 152. So the state is flipping every election season. It's a wildfire and that particular Senate bill flip is, I think, passing at a 99.5% rate currently. So the the culture is shifting quickly to communities trying to figure this out for themselves. And the second piece of that is Comcast and CenturyLink to some degree, I believe the number was they stand to lose anywhere from seven to $21 million per year with just in the city of Fort Collins on subscriber um, income. So it's it's a huge, I mean, it's, we're not a big group of, I mean, we're just a random set of accounts in the state of Colorado for them, but that's a significant number for them to lose year in and year out. And between Longmont, you know, they've already lost a significant number of subscribers in Longmont. They're going to lose a significant number of subscribers here. Um, they didn't have the subscribers to begin with in Estes Park. They're going to lose a bunch in Loveland. And it's, it's going to domino. It's going to have cascade effects as other communities within the state realize, you know what, we can do this ourselves. We can get better service. We can get lower prices. We can get faster speeds. We don't have to worry about um, someone selling our browsing history to place an ad. Um, we don't have to uh, worry about net neutrality. We don't have to worry about data caps. Um, I, I think a lot of communities are going to look to um, the four cities here along the front range and say, you know what, we can do this too. And we've been waiting 20, 30 years uh, for better internet access in our communities. The private companies haven't done it. We need to take control of our future and our infrastructure. Well, and, and Comcast and CenturyLink, at least in Fort Collins, they've operated as kind of a duopoly in terms of internet service. If you want internet service with any sort of speed at all, you have to choose one of the two. Um, a lot of communities don't even have two choices. It's it's one or nothing. Can you talk about why monopolies and duopolies are dangerous for internet service? 
it's uh, you're the mercy of them. As a consumer, you're always at the mercy of what they want to charge. They're not going to upgrade their infrastructure. It's already paid for. They're just kind of profit based. I mean, it's pure profit at that point. Um, they're they're paying their lobbyists to write bills in D.C. or at the state level against net neutrality. I mean, it's it's not even just what your monthly bill looks like, but it's your long term damaging effects, not only within your house, your neighborhood, your city, but also your entire state. And also with Comcast is the biggest ISP in the country that that uh, extension goes all the way to D.C. as well. So, so I, I think one of the bigger dangers with with monopolies, um, particularly in the telecom sector, is that the telecom sector is completely unregulated, especially with the, the current FCC. So you are now have what is an essential uh, piece of infrastructure for your community, and it's now 100% monopoly controlled by an entity that's completely unregulated. This would be like taking XL Energy and saying, you know, we're no longer going to regulate gas prices. If people want to buy gas um, from you, you can charge whatever you want. We would never allow that because we see that that gas is an essential commodity for people to heat their houses in the winters here. So we're going to have, so if we're going to have a monopoly provider, we're going to make sure that monopoly provider is well regulated and serves the needs of the communities. Um, with with Comcast and, and CenturyLink, you have a monopoly provider of a service that is essential for conducting business, um, education, recreation, you know, entertainment. There's just no regulations on them. So if you get tired of what they're doing, there's nowhere to turn. Um, you're pretty much um, at their mercy to pay their prices and put up with their policies if you want to uh, to live in modern society. In my previous apartment, um, CenturyLink did not service it. And this was right in the heart of Fort Collins. Mm -hmm. So it was Comcast or nothing. And when I would call Comcast with issues, they knew that. Yep. They knew I had no choice. So they had no incentive to uh, try to get me to stay because they knew I wasn't going anywhere because I didn't have that choice. Um, and, and starting up municipal broadband initiatives is finally giving more power back to back to the the average consumer. So at at the, at this point we're, you know, we're a handful of days away from the first people getting access to this as the people who have spearheaded it. How does that feel? <laughs> it's pretty exciting. It's like a kid at Christmas even though I'm not going to be in the first neighborhoods that are turned on. It's still uh, very exciting seeing everybody else uh, in the town get excited about um the first light and being the first customer. Um, it's really exciting to see this move forward. You know, looking back um, seven years ago, never thought it would end like this or never thought it would begin like this. This is the beginning of a new new chapter. I'm so proud of the staff, council, the voters, um, the gentlemen and, the, and the, the gals in my group that we have. I mean, we've worked on this for years and it's, it's a culmination of hundreds, thousands of hours between staff and council and us and um, the other thing that excites me, not only just to lower my own internet bill and have gig speed, which is amazing. Um, but this, this whole journey has essentially served as a template for a lot of other communities. And that's the core reason why, uh, I formed broadband and beers is that this platform that we established within Fort Collins allowed me to kind of springboard into the national scene now that I've kind of graduated outside of the city, um, since I've done my work here. So it's, it's not only exciting, um, for, uh, you know, your neighbors and, and businesses here, but it's also, you have, um, uh, content creation, upload speeds, you can have telemedicine is going to be much more accessible for senior citizens or anyone who wants to save on healthcare costs. And also for, um, the industry itself, you have education, you have really just the Harbor, the safe Harbor, knowing that the service that you're paying for is guaranteed net neutrality. 
And you know, our neighbors to the south in Loveland are doing it. Estes is doing it. Longmont's already done it. Greeley's looking into it now. And so it's it's not just a success story for Fort Collins, but it's it's a regional success story. And the fact is, is that Northern Colorado will be the hotbed for municipal broadband for the next five to 10 years. And people will be knocking on our door, looking for that template. And we are happy to provide that to them because we want the same success across different cities in the country. Final question. In, in, in your travels since this measure passed and since connection was formed and is now about to be turned on, have you, t- have you crossed paths with anyone from Comcast? <laughs> I actually have. <laughs> and how did that go? <laughs> um, I moved down to Colorado Springs for a few months for work and I had an apartment and uh, um, installer came over, installed my service. It was uh, fiber to the home, but it's Comcast versions. So it's RF over glass using Doxus 3.1. So you have the same upstream, you know, and so, but you know, the technician came out and gave me the brand new X5 gateway. Absolutely perfect install. Took like half an hour tops. It was great. I, I gave the tech, you know, five stars on the review forms. Then they wanted to know what I thought about Comcast, and I was likely to um, to recommend them to my neighbors. <laughs> and I kind of let them have it on net neutrality, on privacy, on how much money they spend on lobbying versus improving their network. Every single bullet point in the in the list that we've gone over, you know, since 2017 and the ballot issue. And I got a call back from their VP for legislative affairs for the Mountain West region. <laughs> <laughs> and he left his cell phone number on my vo- on my voicemail or on my email and uh, told me to give him a call sometime. So we had a little chit chat and, uh, you know, he didn't see my way. I didn't, I didn't see his way, but we both understood where each person was coming from. So that was, uh, that was a unique experience. <laughs> so someone in Comcast really does read those forms when you submit them. And it was uh, That's a great job. <laughs> Yes, it's like if you're pissed off enough, if you raise en- raise enough hell, eventually some VP is going to call you and go, "Hey, let's talk about this." <laughs> Your name has been in some newspaper articles. I should probably reach out to you. Yeah, so so we're LinkedIn friends now. Yeah, oh, um, that's fantastic. But you know, the other thing too is I, I'd like to say this: you know, my background's cable television. Um, be kind to your cable installer. Um, be kind to the connection installer when they come out. These guys are the face of of their companies, and they really try hard and they get put into some really awkward situations sometimes. So they really are the unsung heroes of, of the broadband and what's going on here, you know? So, so even though, you know, you might have a grievance with Comcast, please don't take it out on your tech or installer. (laughs) Yeah. So I've, I've had, um, a couple run-ins, but nothing for a while. So one of the first ones, um, during the campaign, we had a gentleman who was a supervisor at the customer service center, which I believe was on the HP campus. They have this like correct. 600 employees or so. It is now. Yeah. Yeah. And so he basically told me like, he's going to get everyone to vote against it and he's going to make sure that I don't run a campaign again. And this, this and that basically like, you know, some, uh, minor, but laughable professional. That doesn't threats. seem above his pay grade at all. No. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so that, that was obviously very minor, but that was one of the personal ones I ran into with a random email. And I guess the other one, um, I believe it was during the campaign as well. So we had a, there was a gentleman out of Denver for Comcast for the, as a senior government affairs, um, name, I will not name him, but, um, he essentially wrote a bogus, a bunch of bogus information to our Fort Collins city council members at the time and lots of misinformation. And so we got a hold of that through Cora, which we, we mined emails every day through Cora to figure out what was going on with broadband at the time. We still are. We still are. And, uh, so we got Cora is Cora is the Colorado Open Records Act. So it allows you to essentially go into the email for City of Fort Collins and look at emails to and from City Council, as well as executive leadership. 
So it's a good opportunity to kind of figure out what's going on behind the scenes. Um, if you're Take not, the pulse a little bit. Yeah, if you're not able to make it to council or, or whatever the case is. And so we got a hold of that email and then we sent it. He was basically a lot of misinformation about NextSlide out of Longmont. So we sent that to their GM and they got it published in the Longmont Times Call, I believe, is their newspaper or... Yeah, so they published this and... The uh, government affairs guy basically got publicly slapped down by their own, by his own company. <laughs> <By> his boss. <laughs> so, that was really only indirect running I had, but I've never actually, I don't have any issues with Comcast. And a lot of people that work for them are people that live in Fort Collins and they're like great people that just happen to work for uh, a very questionable an, corporation. An evil corporation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I haven't had any issues. It's, it's been fun and I, I purposely don't want to create any sort of rift or issue with chamber of commerce or Comcast or central. Like it's not my, my prerogative whatsoever. It was only damage my brand anyways. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's about doing what's right by the community, right? It's not about making enemies or, or making friends necessarily. It's about saying like the, you know, this, this sort of stuff exists and it's an opportunity for everyone's lives to improve in this way. And that's really where the focus lies for people, you know, listening to this, living in a community that isn't fortunate enough to be uh, in Northern Colorado. What, what advice might you have for someone who's looking to get involved in local politics or maybe springboard an issue like this of their own, any sort of advice that you can glean on to those people? I'd say start by learning who your representatives are, um, particularly the city and county level. Those are the ones that have the time to, for you to make direct communication with them. Learn who your council members are. Learn who your county commissioners are. Send them an email. Uh, go to county commission, you know, go to the, the county meetings, go to the city council meetings. Most of them, I think all of them have a period for people to get up and speak. Follow up your email by going there in person and saying something. And, and hopefully that, that'll that at least bring it on their radar. And I, I think the other thing, too, is that you have economic development people that work behind the scenes in a lot of cities and counties. And they may already be looking at broadband. So even if you hadn't have you haven't seen anything publicly, if you go to a council meeting or you call the city's economic development office, they may have um, roles for you already. I know we, we're we're starting to go down this process. We need some people to help out. Hey, would you like to help out? And I, I think that's a great way to to get involved. Some other things you can do, depending on the state you're in, uh, I would definitely take a pulse of if there's any other communities within your state who have publicly acknowledged that they are looking into it, have already started work doing so, and then contact them directly. Another thing I would do is go to a website called muninetworks.org, and that's ran by a gentleman named Chris Mitchell, who is probably one of the coolest guys we've met. He's a, he's a national contact for this industry and probably one of the biggest champions um, for getting for muni broadband. And I'm going to self-plug the third one. Um, so, I'm, I uh, again, like I said earlier, I, I've... Uh, Originally established broadband and beers in 2016, and I ran that through 17 until the election. Took about a year off for actual work in real life, and now I'm uh, about to launch it nationally in about three weeks. So that's something that people are. The whole point of that is essentially giving uh, grassroots and community leaders and stakeholders in different cities across the country um, a whole host of information, packets, a website to coordinate events on, um, give them direct contacts with us. And that way we can actually have a formal channel to start those conversations. Um, if they are not able to do so for themselves, we can certainly help them. And uh, that's something I'm very, very excited about. And I've been trying to do for the last three years. And where can people get more information about that? It's Broadband Beers on Facebook. And then about two or three weeks, it'll be broadbandbeers.com. 
And I'm also on Twitter at Colin Garfield and Broadband Beers. One of the key takeaways here is like, don't be afraid to get involved in local government, right? Don't be afraid to get involved in local politics, even though politics is kind of a dirty word these days. If you see a way to that to improve your local community, go do it, right? Yeah. Always don't leave start it to local. someone else. Yeah. People are so um, stressed out about national politics and how they're basically oppressed, right? And so reality is you can make a change locally and that's that's always the best way to start and i will say that 100 percent of the time is i mean we had no idea what we were doing we kind of winged it the whole time and it ended up being this crazy victory and um we got involved from the get-go and we had a great uh relationship and rapport with staff and and county uh, employees and um always go local though and it's that's what i was always, always recommend is starting there and not being overwhelmed by the whole national scene because you really aren't going to make much of a difference at that level but locally you can make a huge huge difference definitely well that's a, a great point to end so thank you gentlemen it's been a great conversation yeah thank you so much this has been a production of noco fm 